Welcome, fellow educators, to episode 20 of the West Virginia Leaders of Literacy podcast. I'm your host, Becky Lewis, and joining me today is my co-host for the month, Sarah Hutchison, along with educational consultant from Denmark, Lena Jensby Lange. Our conversation today is going to continue on talking about 21st century skills, and we are really going to focus this conversation around collaboration, what that looks like in the classroom, and how we can help develop that skill within our students. Welcome to the West Virginia Leaders of Literacy podcast, where we engage in educational conversations to strengthen early literacy in West Virginia. Are you ready to become a leader of literacy? Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us today. I am excited to welcome back Sarah Hutchison onto the show. Sarah, thank you for being here again. Thanks, Becky, for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today and our guest. Yes, and I'm really excited. We're going to continue our conversation about 21st century skills and focusing on those four C's. And I know last time we talked about critical thinking. Is there any thoughts about critical thinking from our last episode that you would like to share, Sarah? Hmm, I think one thing that I really just want to remind our listeners about when it comes to critical thinking um, is the activity that we did to start. And it's definitely going to kind of frame our conversation today as just the power of educators really knowing um, and understanding what those critical skills really look like and sound like in the classroom. And I think we're going to walk through that later today with the four C's that we're going to explore. But I think that that's the critical takeaway that I want our listeners to know if they weren't able to listen to the last episode, is that having collaborative conversations and really truly understanding what to look for and what to notice um, about students' capabilities with those skills is what's critically going to make the difference on whether or not students are understanding and using them in the classroom and beyond. Yeah, thank you for that. And just to reiterate what you said, the four C's, the C that we're looking at today is going to be collaboration. And I'm really excited about the guests we have lined up for today. And you have a personal connection. So Sarah, would you like to go ahead and introduce our guest? Sure. And I'll let her talk a little bit about her work. And I do want to say um, I met Lena through a mutual friend and was able to spend time with Lena last summer. And Lena's coming to us today from Denmark. She runs an educational consulting company called Otten's and does a lot of work with designing um, learning spaces in classroom and developing these critical skills that we're talking about today. So Lena, I really wanna tell you, it means so much to me that you've taken the time out of your busy schedule to extend our conversation about 21st century skill development. And I'm really glad to call you a friend and I know that our audience may not know you as well. So would you care to tell us a little bit more about yourself and your work? Sure. Thank you, Sarah and Becky, for inviting me today to talk about collaboration with you guys. I've really been looking forward to this, and I think it's so important that we come together across our little globe and share how we look at these things and what it looks like in the classroom. As you said, Sarah, I founded a consultancy in education actually many years back, and uh, let's not go into how many years (laughs) it has been. But either way, what we do is we work with schools and counties, school districts, etc., educational institutions to look at what uh, learning might look like in the future and how we can develop a 21st century learning culture. So we look at the pedagogical practice. We do a lot of professional development, train teachers. We design learning spaces. 
we help design schools and actually co-create schools, future schools or rebuild schools with students and teachers, parents, local communities and think about what kind of school is it that we really need for the future? What is the role of school today? And I'm super excited that we're zooming in on collaboration because I think that's really key to a lot of things, both in terms of what is going on in the classroom and what we need for the future, and also looking at the more sort of professional level and teachers, what they're doing and how they are collaborating. Yeah, I think you really explained there why we've had you come on today. Obviously, your work deals very intimately with these 21st century skills and how we can create those environments to make them happen. So thank you again. Yes, thank you. And I know right now on the hearts and minds of our teachers have to do with the impact that COVID-19 has had on their world, but can you give us a little bit of background on how things have been and how they currently are in Denmark and how your work has been impacted by COVID-19? Absolutely, Becky. So In Denmark, the country closed down as so many other countries around the world did uh, in March. I think we closed down around 11th of March. Mm -hmm. And that meant that schools were closed and teaching and learning was transferred to online classrooms or online teaching and learning quite rapidly, really. So students were still learning. They were still in school, except it now was a virtual one. And the curriculum was not the usual curriculum as such. There was a huge emphasis on student well-being and really sort of keeping, um, keep supporting that class community and sense of belonging and making sure everybody was all right. Mm-hmm. And suspending a lot of sort of the normal requirements you'd have, they were put aside because it was a very new thing uh, (laughs) as it was for teachers (laughs) all over the world to all of a sudden be like only work in a virtual uh, learning environment. After a little more than a month, our primary schools went back and by in the beginning of June, our secondary schools went back too. So it means that everybody's back in school full-time um, and we had a summer break just recently. And after the summer break, we started school two weeks ago. And uh, we are now back on, you could say, a normal schedule uh, and normal curriculum. So it's not a sort of a COVID special edition kind of a school right now. Now it's back to, to what we would normally do, but with a lot of COVID considerations in terms of how we're working together, how you're moving around in the school cleaning and disinfecting, you know, all of that. So so that's what it's looking like right now. Yeah. And it's really interesting. It, it kind of makes me think of what you said just when we first started about our little globe. Um, I love that because, you know, this pandemic has really connected the whole world on the same issue. And hearing how you described Denmark's situation with um, the coronavirus and thinking about how it's been in West Virginia and the United States even, you see a lot of similarities and just making the wisest decisions we can based on the information. And again, all of us still learning and and growing in our understanding of this as we go. And one of the things, you know, that you've mentioned, and we have um, different models that schools and counties may be going back that include in-person and blended and virtual approaches. And we know that the learning environment 
design is paramount in your work as you described. Um, and we know that our environments this year are gonna look very different from last year. So can you talk with us a little bit about the impact the learning environment really has on a student um, and their development of the 21st century skills that we've been discussing? Yes, I certainly can. And I'd like to sort of talk about it pre-COVID picture (laughs) to paint that first. Um, Sure. And we work with a lot of of school districts and schools looking at how we can create a supportive learning, physical learning environment. And it's not just what the environment looks like. It's never about the actual sort of the, the interior design as such. The important thing is the learning culture and what you're trying to obtain, how you'd like to sort of like what kind of learning culture you want to nudge what what would you like the students to learn what kind of things would you like them to sort of train every day um which is typically collaboration you'd you'd want to see a lot of collaboration you'd want to see a lot of creativity you'd want to see active students instead of students passively just listening but you'd want to see them actively working and negotiating and uh creating things doing things and if you are in a very sort of traditional standard classroom, that is not as easy as if you begin to change the environment, then it's much easier to actually make shifts between uh, presentations and collaboration and you know, working in small groups, pitching uh, to each other and giving feedback. It's not about the physical design. The physical design is a consequence of where we need to take schools. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why it becomes really important to, you know, to look at that. It's also, you, you want to build the capacity that teachers have to really support different way of learning and working in schools. And in the same way, you'd want to also develop your physical environment so that it becomes a lot easier and more natural to work in those ways that make sense today. Um, so we've been doing a whole lot of work with a lot of schools, changing classroom layouts and the whole way you you use your spaces in the school, making them active, collaborative learning spaces, and also with quiet nooks and places that where you can really focus. Um, and then when COVID uh, struck, you know, when we were all in this COVID-19 situation, it was sort of everything moved back to the way it was 100 years ago. So all of a sudden we'd see classrooms being set up in a more traditional way except with less tables and chairs because you'd have you'd need that distance and to begin with it was two meters here now it's down to one meter so it really sort of took things apart all the things that we'd been working to achieve for quite quite a while but it's gradually beginning to loosen up and we are finding ways to to create supportive collaborative environments with how you can create a COVID-safe environment. But it's it's a thing that we all need to explore uh, moving forward, how we, we create COVID-safe schools. Right, because we are definitely all still learning about that together. And I think that really shares why it's so critical for us to lean on each other and to learn from each other and to have conversations like we're having today, um, to hear different perspectives and to hear what's going on outside of you know, our district or our state or even our country um, and and learn about ways that are effectively meeting our kids' needs and teaching them these skills that they need to have. And I love going back to that idea of focusing on the learning culture first before worrying about the physical design. And I know 
when we talked about COVID that brought up all kinds of issues based on social distancing and thing. But um, I like that idea of just returning to the culture that we want to have for that learning environment and then working our physical environment around that. So we can bring back things like collaboration. Right. Virtual or in person, you know. Right. And Lena, in our last episode, Sarah and I spent time discussing how important it is for educators to know and understand what 21st century skills are in order for teachers to teach these skills effectively. And we began exploring the four C's and we started with critical thinking. And today uh, we thought the conversation we would want to move on more towards collaboration and creativity because you do a lot of that work. So Lena, can you talk to us a little bit about why you feel that our students need to be able to collaborate? Absolutely. So we start with the why. If we look at the world today, it's a world where we have moved from a me to us world. It's a world where none of us can do what we need to do alone. Each of us can go very far, but together we can go further. And there's so much we can achieve because most of the challenges that we will face today requires the collaboration of a group that with a certain degree of diversity that we bring different things to the table. And um, in a world where, you know, the amount of knowledge is exploding and you cannot possibly know everything you need to know in order to, to do a task or achieve something. So you'd need to reach out. You'd need to be able to collaborate. You'd need to be able to identify those environments or those people who might have what you need to achieve, you know, what's important. It's also, if you look at the, the job market, one of the key skills that you are able to collaborate and that you are uh, able to achieve things as a team. So it's also looking at what is collaboration. And we can talk about coordination or, uh, or cooperation, but collaboration is really when you work on a team towards a common goal that everybody understands and that you have a shared responsibility and that team is interdependent. And I think that's the key, an interdependent team here working towards a common goal. Awesome. And, you know, hearing I was um, noting some of the things you were saying um, as you were discussing that, because what you've just shared is uh, a great segue into the first thing that I really would like to do to really dig deeper into collaboration and Just a little background again in our last episode with critical thinking, Becky and I started by looking at critical thinking and then defining it and narrowing down what those key things that we're going to look for and listen for with our students and being able to fully demonstrate that skill. And, you know, a lot of these terms, as I've said before, um, we use them a lot, but it's not until we really stop and try to break them down that we really realize how abstract they really are and how important it is for us to have a shared understanding of it so that we're not watering it down and that we're really um, giving students what they need. And we both put together a definition of critical thinking and then combined it. And what you've really just done, it was give us a definition of collaboration and what you've listed as some of the things that students need to be able to do in order to collaborate. So I I jotted down a couple and I'd like to share those again and then um, give you an opportunity if there's anything that we missed. And then I'm gonna share anything in addition to, and then if Becky has anything to add as well, and then together we'll have kind of a comprehensive understanding of what those skills really look like, okay? Sounds good. 
Okay, great. So um, what I heard you just say, and I really like, really love how you captured it, is that one of the ways to define it is that we can go far on our own, but together we can go even further. And that collaboration requires um, an appreciation of diversity and of those different perspectives. And that students and adults need to be able to reach out and identify who specifically they need help with, who has the information or the skill that they need to achieve their goal. And you finish by saying that having that common goal and a shared responsibility really demonstrates the interdependence um, of what collaboration really is. Is there anything that I missed or is there anything you would add that you think is critical in understanding that term? I think that sums it up quite nicely and we can unfold it even further uh, in a moment. Uh, what I'd also like to, like you said, Sarah, something about the world today that is it's so intertwined and what we're looking at globally is how we are collaborating to, to solve a really pressing challenge that we're all facing. We can't solve it without collaborating. And collaboration is key both like on the meta level of the whole world and it's key just as you're like your own little person in your own family. You need to collaborate when you live with others. We all live in a community, a small one like our private home, our, uh, our, the school or our workplace. We're all parts of these communities that are doing things together and trying to achieve things, whether it's a happy life or whatever it is. And it takes that understanding of that we come from different places, diversity and different, like building empathy, understanding other people and making sense together. It's really key to, to making life work, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, one of the things that I had noted down as a probably the most critical piece of collaboration that, that you captured that I just want to emphasize is, is the fact that using collaboration as a means to extending where one could get on their own. Um, and I think that, you know, the response globally to the coronavirus pandemic is a great example of that, you know, and just thinking about how many different people had to collaborate, researchers, scientists, the medical community, um, engineers even, there's a, there's a lot of people that had to come together to support the world. And also, you know, thinking about how that collaborative effort supports countries that may not have been able otherwise to have supported the research side or the medical side that was needed. So I think this is a tremendous time to see how working together constructively can really advance everyone um, and can go way further than um, where someone could have gone or one country could have gone alone. And Becky, I'd like to ask, is there, is there anything that you um, particularly would like to add or a, um, a piece of a definition to collaboration? Yeah, just to hit on what Lena said about empathy and that idea of everybody coming together during this uh, time of COVID to work together to uh, just better the world. We have to have that mutual respect when we're working in a collaborative team, um, because I feel like if we don't have that mutual respect for one another, then you don't get into true collaboration. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Okay, so it sounds like we have a pretty good understanding, a joint definition of collaboration and what we're really looking for with this skill. And obviously, you can see it's not a very simple, short definition. Um, 
these are very big skills and concepts that that are not a teach it once and move on. This is something that's embedded in what we do in the classroom on a daily basis. It's very intentional. So I want to dig a little bit deeper now with you, Lena. And I was wondering if you could kind of help us really picture this by maybe giving us an example that you've seen in the classroom um, that really shows true collaboration. So what I'd like to do is maybe unpack uh, collaboration a little bit before we go into concrete examples. So there are many shapes and forms of like what does collaboration look like when you see it in the classroom. So it's listening skills, for instance, listening to each other and trying to understand each other and where each other is coming from. It's contributing to a team, uh, playing your role or you're taking part in things. It's debating, negotiating, trying to move things forward. You need to be able to plan and organize things and, and also being uh, building your skills as a trustworthy person that, you can, that other people can work with. Uh, so there's really a lot of, of trust and mutual respect and empathy that, that are key elements in, in collaboration and key skills to also build in your class community. It's the understanding of self and others and the um, understanding that other people who you might not agree with have things to add to something you're doing together and <laughs> things you're trying to achieve. And your idea might not always be the best. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hard to accept, but always a good, valuable thing to understand. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's actually hitting the nail on one of the things that um, sometimes poses problems in the classroom when you talk about collaboration or, or try to, to really have a very collaborative environment. So... I'd like to maybe share a wonderful example from a school that I've worked a lot with here, a project that they did, which really brings out why, or an example of what collaboration could look like and why it's needed. This particular team, it's a middle school we're talking about, with their year group, 75 kids, they decide to open a restaurant temporarily, just like for for a week. And... um, to put that together, they really need to talk about what roles will go into this and what do we need. Can We need waiters. We need people to develop the menu. We need cooks. We need accountants. We need all sorts of things. So what I really love about that is that there are, there's room for diversity. There's room to contribute in many different ways that can bring out the best in our students. They feel that they are able to contribute to their friend next to them. They can see how they can add value as who they are. And that's really something I I treasure and love to see when I walk into a school that students are being valued for what they bring to the table and they can feel that and feel that they don't have to be like everybody else. They are who they are and and they are really trying to do their best in in contributing to their team. Yeah, I think that that's a brilliant way to kind of help people realize um, what an example is really going to look like. I love how you described, you know, at the beginning of that work, and how it ties with our definition to being able to identify who and what do we need in order to make this happen? You know, um, what roles do we need to take on in order to achieve our goal? Um, Who can we reach out to? Um, It may even be people outside of the classroom. It may be experts in the field that they're working in a project in and opening up those opportunities to collaborate even beyond maybe who's in an assigned group. Um, that collaboration could extend 
outside of the four walls or the virtual walls of the classroom. Absolutely. And a, a very important thing about this particular example is that it's very clear to everybody that you have a shared responsibility and you are interdependent. So if I don't play my part in terms of buying those groceries and making that like cooking the meal, then the waiters will not have anything to serve for, you know, to all the guests. Um, and if people are not, uh, you know, if nobody's designing the menu, it's, it's not going to work. So everybody's playing a very important role uh, in their different ways in an example like this. And I think it's always a good question for teachers to think about, are, are we creating or how can we create significant reasons to collaborate so that it actually becomes real collaboration? And I was going to speak to that. I love that this example is such a real world application for students. Um, had the teacher did something less authentic and something that they only seen in the classroom and not outside in their everyday environment, I think it would have been less meaningful to them in that experience and the collaboration level probably wouldn't have been the same. No, um, I think if you add that authentic component, it takes the kids much more seriously. You take their time seriously because it matters what they do um, and it matters how much effort they put into what they do and they are being valued in a different way, in, uh, which is very different to things you do that's not going to be used for anything and you basically just put it in your bag and you throw it in the trash when you're done. So it's also, you don't have to do it all the time, but every now and then create those authentic experiences where it really matters what you do and what, how you contribute or have them be playful. That's also a thing that's as engaging as the authentic element. Um, but it needs to be there because it's also emotionally engaging for us to be part of, of things like that. Right. And that was something we, we touched on just a little bit in our last episode was uh, about project-based learning and PBL and having authentic experiences. So, you know, I, I think it's important there, unless I just want to name it just so, you know, that's a point to dig in deeper to and really understanding how to embed experiences that are project-based, or as I like to sometimes call it problem-based, where kids are really working to solve something that matters and will make a difference in their world, um, whether it's you know, right there in their classroom or a larger global problem that they're wanting to work through. So, um, Lena, with that, I, I, you know, you've given us some examples there and, you know, in thinking about what teachers are going to be working with, you know, here in West Virginia very, very soon, um, we'll have students um, returning to school in, in one way or another. What would you say are some some challenges that teachers may run into with developing student collaboration this year? Well, this year there are specific like extra challenges just because people are that skilled and talented that they can handle them. <laughs> but yeah, uh, in general, what we see a lot when we work with teams in schools around collaboration is what I already touched upon uh, children finding it difficult to collaborate because they don't agree. Um, and it actually, it's such a wonderful opportunity to teach <laughs> uh, empathy and negotiation and debating and a lot of things and, and, and just mutual understanding that we are not always going to get our way. And it really, especially in when we, see, when we look at elementary school, uh, it does 
lead to a lot of conflict sometimes, but those conflict are learning moments. It's that, yes. those times where we can really dig deeper and understand ourselves better and learn gradually to not just hold on to what we believe in, but to really try to like, listen and understand other people's perspectives and moving forward together, everybody giving in a little bit and see what we can do. And yeah, so that's definitely one of the things that we hear a lot from teachers, how they handle that. or And also that you're not born being able to naturally maybe collaborate. It's mm -hmm. a skill that we need to learn. <laughs> right. And that's a beautiful thing about it is it can be taught, you know, and thinking about there are skills and um, things that some may look at, at children or adults as being fixed um, and collaboration in these 21st century skills. Becky and I talked a little bit about last time really can be taught and developed. Um, and we really want kids to know that, you know, no matter where they are with having these skills in their toolbox, I guess, um, they can grow and continue to, to develop them. And what I heard you just say there made me think um, about the importance of different perspectives. And I, I wanted to, if I could, have you speak for a moment about a really great project that I know you're deeply involved with and that I've started working with a little bit myself because of how engaging it is um, with your link online learners and how it allows very diverse perspectives um, to come together and to, to laugh and to um, learn from one another. Would you care to just give us a little bit of information on that work? Yes, I'd love to tell you a little bit about what that is. <laughs> so when everything locked down across the world, a bunch of us were a little bit worried what this would do to kids now being isolated back in their homes and just sitting behind maybe screens or and not seeing their friends. So I got together with a bunch of other educators from, I guess, all over the place, really. <laughs> and we... Without meeting in real life, we put together Link Online Learners, which is a platform uh, for youth chats. So it's basically a global youth club that you can tap into if you want to. We invite uh, any student aged 10 to 18 to participate if they'd like to. So it's, um, it's an opportunity for, for a young person to meet young people in other countries. And in the beginning, they used the opportunity a lot to talk about how, how the lockdown experience was for them, what they missed and what they enjoyed about it. And through that, it was sort of, a, they would gain access to different cultures and different ways of living and understanding gradually through friends that they met online um, and saw every week. Uh, they would begin to understand a little bit about Vietnamese culture and New Zealand culture, etc. And just learning about and, and seeing how young people, like how they live their lives in different countries and how they're dealing with the thing like COVID. And there are several layers in that because it's interesting as adults, we, we've come together because of collaboration and virtual collaboration. We were able to, to actually launch a big global thing here. And we see the kids modeling that. We have a wonderful uh, New Zealand students who, who decided to, to do podcasts on different countries, interviewing uh, different participants. And it's, it's just really wonderful to see what the young people are using this platform for and how through creating a positive, trusting environment that they're actu actually using this to, to do some things together. 
That sounds amazing. I love those collaborative pieces that you are using as adults for this. And then even going down to the students themselves, as you said, creating podcasts. So there's got to be a lot of collaboration they're doing, even though we're still in these COVID and um, isolated areas. Absolutely. The world is only as close as we make it. So it's today we really have the tools to reach out to anybody, anywhere, uh, more or less. Uh, and that's fabulous, but it requires you to have those collaboration skills and being able to work in a culturally sensitive way uh, and being able to communicate well, listen well. Um, so it's, it's everything we talk about with collaboration is needed to do that in a successful way. And I know a lot of your work centers around collaborating with teachers, um, but can we talk for just a minute about how we can help support teachers with their own collaboration, especially right now during this uh, COVID time? How can we help teachers just continue to develop collaborations within themselves? That's a very good question. <laughs> Because it's a really challenging environment that we have right now, but it requires collaboration more than ever. It's looking for those um, golden opportunities to collaborate, creating those shared goals together that you collaborate about. So it's not just coordinating things and you do that and I'll do this and it's not sort of mixed together. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we really need as teachers to model, as educators, to model collaboration for the students that we work with. And it really allows us to, to do more, to diversify more when we teach, to really enable multiple approaches to learning for our students when we begin to collaborate. And we are more teachers around those kids than just maybe one uh, teacher with a class that can we have a larger group? Can we organize more flexibly and really trying to work towards a common goal together? No, I think that's really well said. I think, you know, we've talked this episode so far about um, building a definition of what these 21st century skills really are. Um, and I think something that may have been missed in that description is not only knowing what those are, but then practicing what those are and modeling that for students, I think is probably one of the most powerful teachers for, you know, our, our young students and our older students as well. And you know, looking at where we are, I um, feel like we've really um, expanded upon collaboration and have given our listeners some really fantastic ideas about um, what collaboration really looks like and sounds like. And then also given them some points to um, take into their own lives and to build those practices themselves to share with students and to model we are going to move to another um, 21st century skill. But before we do, I wanted to make sure you've shared what you would like. And I'm sure collaboration is going to come in. The, all the four C's tend to build upon each other and work together. But is there anything else that you'd like to add before we move to creativity, Lena, as it comes to collaboration? Absolutely. I'd like to really uh, highlight one thing. It is that it takes practice. And if teachers are trying to model this as well, they're sure to run into some of the problems that the students are running into and using those as learning moments and things that they can actually also use when teaching is really important. And it's important to know that it does take practice and you need to scaffold collaboration for your students and not expect collaboration to just work when you give them 
a task or something they need to work towards, but do you scaffold it and think about it in steps and talk about it, what it looks like and, and how you can all contribute to that. For links to all the resources discussed in today's episode and for additional information, please visit our website at wbde.us forward slash leaders of literacy. Click on podcast and click on episode 20 to find the show notes. Want to learn more about being a leader of literacy? Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single installment. In our next episode, Sarah Hutchison and Lena Yensby-Langer will be joining me again to continue our conversation surrounding 21st century skills. This time, our focus is going to be on creativity. We're going to be discussing what creativity is and how we can be building the skill within our classroom. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening.